Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Mom Life Crisis. I'm Nikki. And I'm Lori. And tonight, shit gets real. Seriously, like there's some sensitive topics. So grab your favorite beverages and snacks and let's get right into it. So what's what's our... our okay, now that I am fully ready, what is on our agenda tonight, Nikki? Well, on our agenda, we're going to talk about how our children fuck up our mental status and, uh, you know, give us all these beautiful baby blues and postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis and all that fun stuff. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me get a bottle of liquor first (laughs) and, uh, and then we can go on. Unfortunately, I didn't make it to the alcohol store today, the liquor store. So, um, yeah, I can't drink tonight. I'll just be drinking water. (laughs) You're going to feel the full effect. So everything that I say today is 100% real and coming from my heart, from the cockles of my heart. All right, so let's start. All right, so um, it's actually really funny because as I was like looking up the information about postpartum depression and, you know, all these baby blues and all this other stuff, do you know that the awareness for postpartum depression is only as recent as the 1980s? That long? That long, that early, 1980s. So everyone before the 1980s who had babies and suffered through this, they had no idea what the hell was wrong with them. Only that they were fucked up in the head. There was something wrong with them. They had no idea. That's crazy. So the awareness of postpartum depression first came in the 1980s. I mean, to be fair, we really don't talk about it in society now all that much. It's still a very taboo subject. That that is very, very true. Especially I feel being Hispanic in our community, we're taught to deal with it pretty much. Yes, yes, all the time. What is that? Like, why do we have to deal with it and suffer when there's people to help? And like, that's the whole point of their jobs. Because apparently we're supposed to be made to be strong. (laughs) yeah Yeah, f F that man i'm i'm strong just by living i don't need to add to it exactly so i'm gonna run by some uh quick facts and statistics that i came across apparently one in ten women will experience postpartum depression after giving birth one in ten so basically look at your circle of friends and at least one will have postpartum depression at least one. And I well, and I know within our circle, at least two of us have. Me yes, being one. And me being the other. Oh, so three. <laughs> We're a bunch of fucked up individuals in this group. We really are. Also, so they say postpartum depression generally lasts about three to six months. But I guess it also depends on, you know, other factors, household, if you have any help, et cetera, et cetera. That definitely uh, makes sense since I had a friend who had postpartum depression up until I think her son was like three or four. Um, I just got over my postpartum depression and Kaylee is five years old. Wow. Yeah, seriously. Like I think in June was when I got over my postpartum depression. Now, did you have other factors that contributed to that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We'll get, we'll get into that later. Okay. A whole lot of factors in that. Gotcha. It's estimated that nearly 50% of mothers with postpartum depression are not diagnosed by a healthcare professional. Now, let me touch base on that really quick, because that is so accurate. It's scary. Uh, when I went back for my six week appointment after having Kaylee, I was a fucking mess. I was crying for no reason. I was just like, I, I wasn't me. But I went to this appointment. The doctor checked me and she's like, okay, well, how do you feel? I literally broke down in tears in the office because also around that time, my dad was going through radiation for prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was like a whole bunch of stuff going on. Of course. I literally broke down in this office and I'm just like, oh, you know, it's so hard and whatever, whatever. And she's just like, oh, you'll be okay. Like nothing. Like it's normal. It's a part of life. Right. It's It's, a part of motherhood. It's baby blues. You'll get over it. It's baby blues. And five years later was when I got over it. Wow. So yeah, there there's a lot of healthcare professionals that don't diagnose it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there are a lot of doctors who just brush it off as something normal. They do. And so women have to go around thinking, well, this is normal how I feel. So why should I go to a professional, a mental health professional to deal with this if this is just quote unquote 
normal. Also because, you know, we, we talk about it with our friends and because our friends dealt with it, we feel that it is normal. So they went with it. They went through it. We're going through it. It's okay. We're good. I'm fine. You're fine. We're all going to be fine. Well, you remember when I had my five-year-old minion, I don't know what happened. I think I just kind of broke down. I, I think I messaged you and I was like, I am not okay. Yep. And right away you, you messaged my husband, Leroy, and you told him, look, she's not doing okay so you know let's do something about this yeah because you know that having a supportive spouse through that is very very important it is so important it's definitely needed that that kind of support is definitely needed someone who listens to you who will help you believes you and doesn't just brush it aside or just you know think or just think you're crazy or just you know going through something at the moment exactly right and then the uh, last little fact statistic that I have here is check this one out oh boy only 80 percent of women with postpartum depression will achieve a full recovery 80%. So what happens to the 20%? The 20%, I have no idea. I never I didn't get to uh check that out, but I'm I'm guessing they stay back crazy. Basically. So with postpartum depression, it starts off with baby blues, then it moves on to postpartum depression and then it can actually turn into full on depression. So I guess the maybe the 20% of the ladies who don't get the 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 full recovery, they actually become become depressed. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's a number that shouldn't be considering we're supposedly the number one country in the world. Right. And yet as women, we're still suffering through all of this. Nobody takes our mental health into consideration. And even at times during pregnancy, nobody takes our concerns into consideration. After birth, mothers, actually the United States, from what I've read, has one of the highest mortality rates for a first world country in maternity deaths and it's just it's so mind-boggling because it's like why is there so little attention being given to new mothers oh absolutely and it you know there are so many things that even me when I first got pregnant with Mateo that I didn't know and it was just like oh my god like I didn't know this and that that's with having you know parents that support me and friends that support me imagine the the women that don't have that support that don't know half of the things that we knew from either our mother or our friends. And even then, I feel like it was such a different time back then, especially for women of color or any type of minority where, again, the stigma with any type of mental health or even asking for help, it's like you're expected to go through this with minimal help. Absolutely. And I hate to bring up this story because I don't want anyone to think my mom is a bad mom because my mom is really a great mom. But I still recall this one time when my oldest minion, 15 year old, when she was about six weeks old, I remember I fed her, I changed her, I burped her, everything that I needed to do. And for like four hours straight, she was just crying. I was alone. I had no idea what to do. I was getting to the point where I was seriously like, oh my God, I'm gonna, I feel like I need to, I'm gonna hurt this child. Right. And I called my mom for help. And her response was, well, you wanted a baby. So now you have to deal with this. This is a part of being a mom. And I'm like, okay, I'm literally sitting there in tears telling you that I need help because I feel like I'm going to hurt my child. And that's your response. I remember at the time I called a friend of mine who had a baby probably about six or seven months prior to me. She walked me through it. She stayed on the phone the entire time. She, you know, she reassured me. She said, if you did everything you need to just put the baby down, walk out. It's okay. The baby's safe. But if you're getting those urges, if you're you're getting those urges, you need to walk away. And I, and I did, I did what she said and I finally calmed down. So don't worry anybody. I did not hurt my child at all. She's perfectly fine. She's a perfectly fine. old today <laughs> exactly but just the fact that it, reaching out for help to somebody who has been through this and their first response is well you're a mom now so now you have to deal with it it should not be that way and I this is where I say that I honestly believe and I'm not saying it's all Hispanic moms not all but a majority especially like the older school moms yes you know I believe that they were just raised and accustomed to you know you have a child you take care of your child and you don't 
don't ask anybody to help you with your child because you, yep you don't ask and you can't complain right because with both of my children I mean my parents they help me a lot but as far as like giving me a break or taking care of my kids so I can just get 15 minutes of sleep or just get that break it never happened my mom's motto and my listen I love my mom to death my mom is one of the, it's the most amazing mom ever but her motto is you made them you raise them exactly my mom is the same exact way and her thing was the only three ways that I will take care of your child is if you're in the hospital you're working or you're in school so to take a break <laughs> to take an hour nap that was not happening no nope. it was not nope. there were days I mean I, I can there were days I was up for like 48 well not with Mateo Mateo was a really good baby but Kaylee there were she was a horrible sleeper and there were days that I was literally up maybe like 48 hours at a time because she would not sleep I had to sleep with this girl on my chest mm. and if I put her down she would just wail yep. and I, I mean it, it got to the point I couldn't take it anymore I was just so like just stressed the hell out and I, when I tell you that my postpartum depression it was something so surreal it was like it was me but it wasn't me I was mm -hmm. trapped in my body it, I, I didn't know what to do with myself I didn't ask for help because it's like this is my child I have to take care of yep. it because this is what I was raised to believe and then if you, know? you didn't it, it's almost like people made you out to be a horror parent and even if you were honest about how you were feeling if I told a random stranger yes I wanted to hurt my child oh absolutely. they would have like demonized me oh big and time. it's just it's not fair because it's do you know how it feels have you been through it like parenting is hard it's hard it really is it's it's one of the hardest things that anyone especially a mother can possibly do and yeah don't, you, people can't listen to social media they can't listen to tiktok or instagram that's all bullshit parenting really is the hardest thing anyone will ever do in their entire life yeah people like to sugarcoat things a lot and, and that's not it that's not it i mean the sleepless nights are real there's nights that you're you're gonna be up for hours mm. days days on end the the crying when they they're they're babies you have no idea why they're crying and there is no way that you can stop it and you have no like no idea like what can i do <laughs> What is going on? And you know, it, it's not the baby's fault and it's nope. not your fault. It's just a frustrating situation because yep. there's nothing you can do. The baby can't tell you what's nope. wrong with them. And you know, when you have to do that on your own by yourself, it's, it's hard. It, is. it really is, especially when you're running on like 48 hours of no sleep. It's, mm -hmm. it's hard. I, I had two C-sections recovering from a C-section, having to take care of a child dealing with this postpartum depression. It was a whirlwind. A wh I, can I mean, imagine. I, I was fortunate that I never had that inkling to hurt my children. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, like you, you, you were so frustrated. You had that, not that you would ever do anything to her, but you were mm -hmm. just that frustrated. It was scary. Right. But for me, it was just more like you know like oh my god I'm a horrible mom I can't take care of my kids my kids are crying nonstop. Mm -hmm. why are why are they doing this and I would put the blame on myself so that would yep. make it even worse people and that's the thing a lot of people don't talk about this a lot of people like to nope. like hide this reality and reality is that it's not just gonna last three months six months two nope. weeks like I said for me it lasts five fucking years and within that five years I gained so much weight I didn't want to do anything I isolated myself I barely spoke to anybody I mean literally if you like that person that I was those past five years is not the person that I am today and it was not the person that I was before that and that was hard to realize that like I literally lost myself within those five years so how did you come to the realization that you needed to do something to get yourself back you know this the it, it's so funny because I literally just woke up one day and I was just this is not me you have to snap the fuck out of it mm -hmm. you have kids that you have to take care of I understand that this is hard but you have to snap the fuck out of it mm -hmm. and literally just one day I that's I just like snapped out of it I, okay. I don't know what happened it was just I remember looking in the mirror and 
I didn't recognize myself. Like, that's not me. Who is this person? It's not me. And I was just like, I need to snap the hell out of it. I was like, I miss my friends. I barely speak to them. I'm mm-hmm. so isolated. And I, I just lock myself in a fucking room and sit in there all fucking day. So it's like, no, I need to get back to the Nikki that I was. And that's that's what I did. That's good. I'm proud of you. Thank you. And for any listener out there as well, if you're going through anything similar, then just know that every single day, that you wake up that's a day to be proud it is hard especially when you have these feelings of just hopelessness and sadness and a million other feelings going on just waking up believe me is a big accomplishment so don't let anybody tell you different don't let anybody shame you into saying why is your house a mess how come you haven't taken a shower today why is your hair a mess nah man you you're living that's enough and you that's what you need to tell them either that or just like my your own damn business. 100%. Yeah, just know you have two women here that are very proud of you for waking up for just doing the bare minimum because Mm -hmm. it's just, it's super hard. It's, it really is super hard. I mean, my hair fell out there. I used to have mats in my hair because I didn't brush my hair. I didn't take care of myself. I really didn't. But honestly, if this is something that you're going through, there is help out there. You don't have to feel like you're alone. You don't have to feel that, you know, there's something wrong with you because there isn't. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very hard being a parent. It's very hard hard being a mom and if you have a friend that's going through that you mm-hmm. need to be their support you really do they they need you more than ever now and you need to listen don't have it in your head that postpartum depression is one thing and it doesn't look like they're going through it because postpartum depression comes in many fame like many faces many forms just listen to them be there for them be supportive and hopefully you can find a friend or someone you know that'll do the same for you if that's what you're going through. 100%. So yeah, I actually have a list of things for someone who knows someone who's going through postpartum depression that, you know, to help you help them. And Lori said, one of the things is to listen to their feelings because at the end of the day, what they feel is real. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the times they feel like they can't express that to anyone because what they're feeling, they shouldn't be feeling it. And it's right. perfectly fine to feel like that. They they need that support. They need someone to be there for them. Mm-hmm. They need someone to validate their feelings and understand that they're going through a hard time and it is okay. Validating, like I said, validating their feelings is one of the most important things because you don't want to go to this friend who's going through this hard time and it's just like, oh, you'll be all right. You'll get exactly. over it. That's the worst thing you can possibly do to someone who's going through yep. that kind of a rough time. Yep, just absolutely. Even, even if you just need to sit there and be quiet and just let them vent, just let them get everything out, do that. That would mean the world to them. Sometimes it's not even the closest person to you. Sometimes Sometimes it's just a person who maybe you speak to once a year or once every other year who one day just asks, hey, how are you feeling? And it'll just come pouring out. You don't know where it came from, but it's clearly something that you needed. Absolutely. And then another thing is that's very important is don't compare what you went through to what that person is going through. Because what I went through is not what Lori went through. And what Lori went through is not what I went through. So I would never be like, oh, well, when I was going through postpartum depression, I, that doesn't matter. At this point, the other person is what matters. To be fair, to be fair, anything in parenthood, just don't compare. Don't (laughs) ever, don't compare kids. Don't compare how you raise, like raise them. Don't compare your jobs, your looks, nothing. Just stop comparing yourself to other people. The only person you should compare yourself to is yourself. Yourself. That's it. That's the only person that you're fighting a battle against. Exactly. You are your only competition. 100%. Also, uh, make plans with them. Make, you know, like bring them food, try to take them out, watch the baby, let them sleep for an hour. This, this is the kind of stuff that I know I needed. <laughs> I, I just needed someone to come and give me a hand. Like the, it's the smallest things that can help a person get through that because seriously, they really feel like they're doing this on their own and they have no support. So if you can just listen, do a freaking load of laundry, bring yeah, her a girl, girl, 
burger. I was, I was just about to say, <laughs> do a load of laundry. Literally, like that was, I was just about to say it. Because it's true. It's always the smallest things. You know, sweep a floor, do a load of laundry, let the woman sleep or yes. let the parents sleep. Because let's right. face it, dads, you know, dads are struggling too. Dad, most, it's true. Most dads, yes. Most dads are struggling too. As a new parent, both parents, most of the time, are going through a lot of emotions. They're going through a lot of transitions. Mm -hmm. So really anything that you can do to help. The last thing a parent wants to do is to entertain guests. So don't come to the house expecting a full meal. Don't come to the house expecting to be like welcomed with some extravagance. No. And don't also come to the house expecting, oh, well, I'm just going to play with the baby and then I'm going to mosey on with, no. Girl, like... listen, <laughs> let alone the house. Don't come to the damn hospital unless they want you there. Oh, OMG. Okay. Okay. Yes. Because, hello, I just pushed a baby. Well, I didn't push a baby. I got cut open and they took this baby out of me. Lori, they'll push the baby out. And we, we don't want to see you. We don't want to see you. We are trying to recover. We are trying to bond with our child. Yep. We are trying there with our spouse. When I tell you during, like when I gave birth to my first minion, my minion's father at the time thought it would be a good idea to not just invite his mom, which I would understand. No, I had to entertain three aunts, a grandmother, four brothers, the whole dang clan. And I'm just like, I'm exhausted. And then they stayed 12 hours. Because people I, don't know when the fuck to leave. Don't. Like, they, read the room. Read the fucking room. I am tired. Get so out. I was exhausted. I didn't get a chance to breastfeed my child because everybody's all up in my business. And right. it just it threw me so off. So then the day we got home, that mind you, the day we got home, I'm exhausted. He was like, the family's coming over again. I'm like, oh. what? Wow. I told him, I was like, I'm going to go take a nap. He was like, oh, that's mad rude. They're here to see you and the baby. F that I need sleep. Right, right. Just think about the parents because it, it's it's a rough time. It, it is. It really is a rough time. For my first child, I made it known that I did not want anyone to mm -hmm. come to the hospital on the first day because I wanted to bond with my child. I learned my lesson with the second one. So. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care who it was. You're not coming to the hospital. I'm bonding with my child. You can come see them another day. It's not going to happen. And even and then, it, whenever I want to see, whenever I want to visit somebody I always say let me know when you're up for company because right. I never want to put them in a position where they feel they have to entertain me so it's more like no when you're ready to have guests or visitors then you let me know especially being over. a first-time mom you have yes. to get into this new schedule like you mm -hmm. have this this little human who you have to take care of you both have to get to learn each other yep. you have to you know a sleeping in a, a sleeping pad patterns, their feeding patterns. It's not easy. So nothing no, comes natural. We do not want company <laughs> out of the hospital. I, I didn't see Lori's first child until she was three months old. <laughs> three months old. Why? Because I'm not going to be the person to be like, oh my God, you just gave birth to a child. I'm going to be there hours old. I want to <laughs> No, give them a damn break. Let them enjoy their child. Yep. Oh, I couldn't have said it better myself. It's it's crazy. Just give them a break. Give parents, new parents, mm -hmm. old parents, give them a break. They do not want to be bombarded with visitors right out of the hospital. Nope. At not all. at all. Not at all. So yeah, that yep. adds to it because now we have to try to entertain you. Mm -hmm. We have to try to, you know, our house got it. No, I'm nope. not trying to clean my house so you can come here. No, I, I want to rest. This yep. is what do I what is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Also, make sure you reassure them. Let them know that it is hard. They're a good parent. They're doing everything possible to take care of this child. And if that doesn't work, and if you see that it's getting worse, then it's time to try to get them help. Because mm -hmm. it some like I said, there's three different stages of this whole postpartum. There's the, the, the baby blues that last a couple of weeks. And then there's the whole postpartum depression where it can last anywhere from three months, in my case, five years. Mm -hmm. And then you have postpartum psychosis, which people actually need to go to the hospital sometimes and be hospitalized to get 
get help. So, so what's the difference between postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis? With de- postpartum depression, it's more like you have mood swings, you're depressed, crying, difficulty bonding with your baby, you withdraw from family and friends. Oh my God, I'm reading my life story right now. <laughs> loss of appetite or in my case eating more than usual inability to sleep and oh I had horrible insomnia overwhelming tiredness or loss of energy you lose interest and pleasure in everything that you loved always irritable and angry I was mm-hmm. the Hulk I was yep. Hulk Red Hulk whatever you want to call it that was me <laughs> that was me fear that you're not a good mother hopelessness feeling worthless shame guilt and inadequate reduced ability to think clearly to concentrate and make decisions restlessness severe anxiety i still to this day have horrible anxiety and panic oh me too me too it's it's crazy Mm -hmm. um you have thoughts of harming yourself or your baby and reoccurring thoughts of death or suicide i never got to that point but that's part of postpartum depression that's a lot of symptoms yeah with psychosis you basically feel confused and lost you have obsessive thoughts about your baby good and bad thoughts good and bad thoughts right so you can be like sometimes too obsessed with your baby too too overprotective of your baby or on the flip side it's like I don't want this baby this baby I just don't want anything to do with them um you hallucinate and have delusions you also have trouble sleeping you have a lot of energy and feel upset you're always paranoid and you actually make attempts to Mm. harm yourself and the baby so anytime we see these stories in the news where somebody threw a baby in the garbage that's postpartum psychosis wow if you start seeing that your friends are having any any of these symptoms please get them help try to intervene as soon as possible Mm -hmm. and the sad thing is that a lot of these cases could be you know avoided but one doctors aren't helping Mm -hmm. badly you know a lot of these women are alone there's a lot of single moms out there that are taking care of babies on their own so they really Mm -hmm. have no one to talk to about this and by the time somebody realizes what's going on sometimes it's too late for postpartum depression you can take medication uh as well as with the psychosis Mm -hmm. so what they recommend with like the baby blues they say that it usually fades within one to two weeks but during that time you can try to get as much rest as possible accept help from friends and family connect with other new moms create time to take care of yourself let me tell you something that is one of the most important things you need to Mm -hmm. take care of yourself as hard as it may be you need to take care of yourself rather it's taking a shower Mm -hmm. washing your hair pampering yourself I don't care if you do your nails yourself at home to pamper yourself for 30 minutes you need to do something for yourself to make you feel better you need to try to create time for yourself Mm-hmm. It says to avoid alcohol and recreational drugs because that actually can cause mood swings or worse. And then the last thing is to ask your healthcare provider for help. With postpartum depression, it's treated with psychotherapy. So okay. you get therapy, mental health counseling, medicine, or both. They uh, put you on antidepressants. Now, here's the thing with antidepressants. Sometimes it works for people. Other times it doesn't. I know someone close to me who was put on antidepressants and for whatever reason, it didn't work for her and made it worse. It made her Mm. situation worse. And on top of that, they say that it's little to no risk to babies when you're breastfeeding. But I mean, who who wants antidepressants in their breast? Yeah, who wants to take the risk? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Other medications, they said they, you know, if they need to prescribe anything else, it'll be for severe anxiety or insomnia or anti-anxiety anxiety medication which is supposed to be prescribed for a, a short period of time and then uh, postpartum psychosis you're going to be taking antidepressants antipsychotic medication mood stabilizers to control the, the symptoms that you're going through and then the I guess the more severe postpartum psychosis would be the electroconvulsive therapy or ECT so it says here if your postpartum depression is severe and you experience postpartum psychosis ECT 
CBT may be recommended if symptoms do not respond to your medication. So basically you'll be in the hospital and the ECT seems to cause changes in the brain chemistry that can reduce the symptoms of psychosis and depression. Sounds like a fancy way of saying electric shock therapy. That That's what I, that, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> I'm like, huh, this sounds familiar. That's exactly what I said. There's also things that you can do on your own, natural things that you can do to try to take care of that. Make a healthy lifestyle, physical activity, exercise, go for a walk with your baby, try to get enough rest, eat healthy foods, avoid alcohol, to set realistic expectations, don't pressure yourself. That's another thing. Moms feel so pressured to like compete with other moms. Why? All the time. You are you. Mm -hmm. You cannot parent your child the way another person. Lori is Lori and I'm me. Our Mm -hmm. parenting is completely different. Mm-hmm. And I would never expect Lori to parent like me. And I know she would never expect nope. me to parent like her. So don't pressure yourself to be like other moms or other parents or mm-hmm. whatever is politically correct at this moment. <laughs> Just be you. You take yep. care of your child. What you feel is best for your child is what you do because nobody else is raising that child but you. Nope. Nope. Nobody else is paying the bills. If exactly. Somebody, if somebody wants an opinion, then somebody better fork over the cash. 100%. And then, uh, it, like we spoke before make time for yourself so you know try to get out of the house ask your partner to take care of the baby or rearrange for a sitter even though I know that's hard because today you can't trust many people to take care of your child and I totally get that I feel like a lot of this though can create a snowball effect so what I so what I mean by that is also but also negatively, not just positively, but mm-hmm. negatively, because I feel like as a new parent, you're so tired, you don't want to cook, you don't want to cook. So you get takeout, you get takeout, you gain the weight, you gain the weight, you don't want to go outside. It's, it's a snowball. And that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Like you said, it took five years for you to wake up and say, I don't like what I'm seeing in the mirror. So I'm gonna not do only what I'm it. seeing in the mirror, when I tell you I was praying to God every every night to wake me up in the morning because I was getting chest pains. I literally Mm. thought there was, I would, I thought I was going to die at any point. I thought when I laid my head on that pillow, that was going to be the last time that I saw my children. I would literally pray every night to wake up the next day. And I was just like, something's got to give, you know, my son has autism. I have to be his advocate. If anything Mm -hmm. happens to me, what's going to happen to him? He's like, that boy is connected to my hip. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I have to do something. I have to start taking care of me so I can take care of my kids because nobody's going to take care of my kids the way that I am. And so, uh, so let me pose this question. When you first had Kaylee, what do you think you could have done differently to av- not necessarily avoid, but to help you through your postpartum depression? If I had more help from my partner, I think mm-hmm. that would have helped a lot. Yeah. So, so for you, that was, that, that was, was the, the missing big thing. Key. It mm-hmm. 100%. You know, I, in the beginning, my parents, they took Mateo for about a month while I had, because I had a C-section and Kaylee's C-section was horrible. Mateo, I recovered like after six weeks, I was good. Mm-hmm. With Kaylee, oh my God, it was the worst. So I was like down and out for a while. So they took Mateo for about a month while I was home taking care of Kaylee. And also with Kaylee, I was breastfeeding as well. So it was, not only was she not sleeping, she was round the clock feeding. I was up all the time she didn't want to be put down she wanted to sleep on top of me she Mm -hmm. only wanted to sleep on top of me so it was like there was nothing I could do to get her away from me and it was hard because I didn't get a break so that sounds that sounds difficult and it was it really was and you know like I said I just started just isolating myself and not taking care of myself I tell you I used to freaking grubhub or DoorDash Mm -hmm. or Uber Eats all the time because I didn't want to cook. I did not want to cook. I didn't want to do anything. Just just order me food. I've been there. I know exactly. I I know the exact feeling. It's it's hard, especially when, again, like you said, you have a partner that doesn't help, but also one that expects you to still do things. At the time of my first child, my partner at the time was like, well, I'm still going to work. You're home all day why isn't the house cleaned? Why is there no dinner? Why is the baby still in the same way? Like it was- Listen, we both made this child. It wasn't just me. (laughs) 
it was the both of us. I didn't make this child by myself. It makes it, it makes it difficult because now not only do I feel like a bad mom, but then I feel like a bad partner. And it's just like you said, there's no help and it just becomes difficult to take care of yourself. And if, mm-hmm. and if a parent cannot take care of themselves, how can they take care of their child? Exactly. Cannot take care of your child. Yep. And then also, so during this whole time of these five years, so I had Kaylee, a pandemic happened. I started homeschooling. So within all of this, my postpartum depression, I'm also homeschooling an autistic child. Yep. The pandemic is going on. It, it was, I mean, <laughs> it, I think I could write a book on the, on the shit that I went through during this time. Maybe you should. Maybe I should. <laughs> You might find mom life crisis in book form soon. (laughs) Wake the fuck up. The Nicole story. They also state that there is risk factors that come along with being a new mom and who experience postpartum depression. So they say if you have a history of depression, either during or before pregnancy, you're basically at a higher advantage to having postpartum depression. And and I and I know people who it's even amplified their own depression to new heights, and it's just it's bad. Oh yeah. Um, if you have bipolar disorder, if you you've had postpartum depression for a previous pregnancy. So with Mateo, I had baby blues, but I didn't have postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. I had that one to two week area where it was like, oh my God, I'm so tired or whatever, but it never fully blew up to postpartum depression. Uh, If you have family members who have had depression or mood disorders, you're at a greater risk experience postpartum depression. If you experience stressful events, COVID during the past year, (laughs) (laughs) such as pregnancy, Pregnancy complications, illness, or job loss. I pregnancy complications. I went through hell with Kayliana. Kayliana was a preemie. I had high blood pressure. I had almost preeclampsia. Everything that she could possibly give me, she gave me. Oh dang! During that pregnancy, um, my water broke at 32 weeks. I was in the hospital for five weeks. It, it, it was it was a whirlwind. I remember. Oh, I remember. and this was during Hurricane Irma. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you literally can't catch a break. I can't can't Hurricane Irma, COVID. I mean, just just <laughs> throw it all out of here. If you have health problems or special needs, I have a special needs child, so that was another factor mm-hmm. in there. If you have twins, triplets, or multiples, you had difficulty breastfeeding. I did with Mateo you have problems in your relationship need I say more you have a weak support system need I say more you have financial (laughs) problems need I say more (laughs) the pregnancy was unplanned or unwanted that wasn't anything because I I did want to you know have children but all of that stems and I as I as I was reading through this I'm like do do these people know me did did they are they like looking on my ring camera do they know my life what you don't know me I, I I feel personally attacked here. What's going on? <laughs> I mean, I was just like, Jesus Christ, everything was there. Like, I guess I should have read this before and knew it was coming. Oh, I know. As you were reading it off, I was like, check, check, seriously, check, double check, triple check. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then not to mention between Mateo and Kaylee, I had a miscarriage. So I never really dealt with that. So that Mm. was another factor going Mm -hmm. into it. I mean, it was just like a whole snowball of just mielda. Shit for people who don't speak Spanish. Just a whole snowball of it. But no, ladies, seriously, this is, is it's not, you know, we, we try to make light of it, but it's really something serious. Mm-hmm. The best thing that you can possibly do is reach out and try to get help because there is options out there for you to get help. There are doctors that are willing to mm-hmm. help you. I mean, you know, there's always going to be that asshole doctor out there, but there are doctors willing to help you. There are people willing to listen to you, talk to you about what's going on. Cause more than likely, maybe they're, they're going through it as well. Yeah. And don't beat around the bush. Don't say, well, you know, I think I might feel this way. Like, no. Oh no. That was my go-to. I was always okay. How are you? I'm okay. Yep. All the time. I'm fine. And that's the thing. Like now I've learned to tell people, no, I am not okay. There's something going on. I may not, I, I may not 
fully understand what's going on or know what's going on, but something is going on because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just not okay. Right. There's days that I just, I don't feel like myself and I'm, I know I will say I'm not okay today. I'm not having mm-hmm. a good day. There, there's something the matter. I really don't know what it is, but I'm having an off day. Yeah. But vocalizing that, at least you're putting it out there. Like I'm not okay. Exactly. And it's not just with postpartum depression. It's with it's anything. everything. Yep. Anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, speak to somebody. Because at yep. the end of the day, you're you're worth more than you think. Mm-hmm. And it hurts more when somebody loses you than you think. I've yep. lost two people already from suicide because I guess they felt that that was their only way out and they felt that was the easiest thing for them to do and nobody cared and mm-hmm. broke so many people's hearts. Please just try to get the help that you need. Yep. Listen, I, I mean, if I have to give an email for you to reach out to me, by all means, go right ahead. I, I'm <laughs> more than open to talk about what I went through with this, this bullshit. But this is what children do to you. No, I'm just joking. Children are... <laughs> I love my kids. And if I had to do it 10 times, 20 times over, I would. Yeah. I think you covered a lot of the statistics and heck, there were things that I didn't even know, which means if I didn't know it and I'm like the number one researcher when it comes to like (laughs) Googling stuff, then I'm pretty sure that a lot of people just didn't know that some of these things existed or, you know, maybe they didn't know that what they were feeling is this. Maybe they thought it was something else. Maybe they thought, you know, oh, maybe it's just in my head. I mean, yeah, it is in your head, but like deeper than you would think. Right. Um, So, here's something really interesting and this is according to postpartumdepression.org the american indian alaskan native they are the highest percentage of women to suffer from postpartum depression really well let's see alaska probably because they're just so isolated especially if it's like the native americans in alaska which would be the inuits so at 16.6 percent yeah they're probably isolated and not for nothing but american indians are also isolated on the reserve Oh, yeah. So that's understandable. Do you want to take a guess who's the lowest? White people? No. Rich people? I'm sure they're, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> we will put them up there, but no, um, Asians actually. Really? At, at 7.4%. For white people, they're at 11.7%. Black people are at 3.4%. Hispanics are 11.5%. Well, wow, that's high. Native Hawaiian Pacific Islanders are at 11.4%. And multiple race are at 14.8%. So they wow. are the second highest percentage of women to suffer from postpartum depression the Asians like Asians I could understand because I feel like Asians are very family oriented to begin with like that is very true and they always have it's like it takes a village and that literally does Asian you know families also studies have found that 50% of men who have partners who are diagnosed with postpartum depression will go on to develop depression themselves wow I mean they go through things but it's I I honestly don't feel like it's half of the things that we go through our bodies are literally fighting against us our freaking brain is like, no, you're a, you're yep. a crappy mom. You suck. I know. I know that whenever I feel whatever type of way, whatever funk that I'm in, I feel I know- it too. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from you, because we're like psychically connected, but my husband gets in those funks too, simply because I'm going through it. And it's right. more of, I don't know how to help you. And then right. I'm sitting there like, I don't know how to help myself. So if I don't know how to help myself. I don't how know how are to you going to help me. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, the statistics are really eye opening. It really is. It really is. I would have never thought like 50% of men were going to develop depression because no. their partner had postpartum depression. I mean, like, I it's weird because I feel like we took health class in school they didn't teach us any of this yeah we learned about any of all that money that our parents paid for this catholic school we didn't learn any of it nobody told me that i was gonna be fucked up in the head after having children nobody we learned about gonorrhea yeah and syphilis and why we shouldn't have sex and anal sex Mm -hmm. (laughs) we learned about anal sex that's right we did i remember that day (laughs) oh oh, do i remember that day (laughs) oh i'm sure you do oh only because all the girls in the remember listen I was the last American virgin okay (laughs) 
what are you talking about? Only because the girls in the class were like, oh yeah, because me and Robbie, we love that. Bitch, I don't want to know what you and Robbie from Fordham <laughs> Prep did. I don't care. <laughs> Robbie, I don't know if that is somebody from Fordham Prep. I'm not really talking about someone. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm just making up a name. It was a very interesting. Yeah, I feel like the classmates <laughs> in our school were very open about their sexual very, experiences. And very keep in open. mind, I'm talking about we were 14, 15, 15. And I remember like sitting at a lunch table and then all of a sudden, you know, I have a friend come over like, oh, my God, I just had sex. And oh, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're like, uh, I played with my Barbie doll. <laughs> Listen, I played with Barbies until I was 16 years old, okay? And I am proud to say that. Girl, I still have my Barbies downstairs. And every once in a while, I'll open that up to be like, I'm going to get rid of them. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> These girls were very advanced for their ages. They... But we didn't learn any of this stuff in school. And we went to an all-girls school. You would think it would be easier that because to talk we were, about this yeah and that we were st- statistically higher at getting pregnant because let's face it we were, we're literally women. right <laughs> we have vaginas <laughs> and yet this was still a topic that did not come up ever I uh, there was a lot of things that I didn't I mean I didn't know anything about like the whole when you get pregnant and the whole gestational diabetes thing and, nope. and the, and the uh, preeclampsia and there was nothing about any of that that I learned in health not class a, and not only that even even now but I can I- tell you I could I, they taught me how to spot a herpes <laughs> I, I listen they taught us that though and a genital wart I could I could spot one of those they taught us that but they didn't tell us nothing about none of this pregnancy stuff look even even now with my first pregnancy Google was just well not even Google probably like ask Jeeves or whatever search engine was out even looking at what are the symptoms when you first find out you're pregnant oh I didn't God. have those right like I was in the freaking ER thinking I had a cyst on my ovary because I was doubled over in pain to find out that cramping is like it's a, it's normal. Symptom, I was right. like, why is cramping not a part of this? It's always your sense of smell or your boobs hurting or, or- bleeding. So yeah. you bleeding is connected to miscarrying. For Mateo, I literally bled almost throughout my whole pregnancy. I was scared all the time because I was like, oh my God, I'm bleeding. I'm going to miscarry. I bled. Yeah, normal. I bled for four months with John, and not only that, but I'm sorry. Trigger warning: we're talking about blood. You know, whatever. But not only that, it was very heavy bleeding. Yeah, it wasn't with, light. With clots. Yes. And I swear, I felt like I was in the ER every week. Like, is it now? Is it now? I was terrified for that long. Listen, and I thought they knew me so on a first stressful. name basis. Yes. Yeah, it's, it really, it is stressful. Oh my God, it's so stressful. It really so is. So stressful. You know, like Lori said, they tell us about certain symptoms or whatever. Back to high school. They didn't tell us about this whole fertility thing and nope. infertility and fertility and nope. all this other stuff that you have to look for. We didn't learn any of that. We didn't learn any of that. So when it came time that I was ready to have a child, I was like, okay, I honestly thought, listen, you can have sex and you can get pregnant. You can mm-hmm. only get pregnant once. There's a week, <laughs> a week in the month where you can get pregnant. <laughs> A week. So when those girls, they get pregnant like all the time and they have like 20 babies, they better play the lottery because I mean, there's one week a month and that you can get pregnant. And yeah. even even then, only one day that they you get fertilized. Right. Say you, yeah, that you ovulate. So I mean, they never said this. Nope. I, here I am thinking I'm gonna have sex all the time and I'm just <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> Okay, like I'm thinking, listen, we, we're going to have sex every single day because every single day is a possibility for me to get pregnant. Uh, no, bitch, you sound dumb. Yeah. And Google was like, no, idiot. <laughs> So with Mateo, because I have PCOS and, oh, and that's another thing. Oh yeah. I didn't know that I had PCOS until June. I didn't know I had it until September. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm like, well, that makes sense as to why I could not get pregnant. Yeah. You know, I was having a hard time getting pregnant with Mateo. And basically at one point I was just like, fuck this. I'm done. Like I'm done trying. And of course, that's when it happened. (laughs) 
And I remember, because that's when my grandmother died, my dad's mom. And I was just like, I'm going to take a pregnancy test. I was like, it's going to come out negative anyway, because, you know, all the other ones came out negative. And I think at that point, I was like 20, like 25 days late. But it was normal for me to miss Mm -hmm. months or have it twice a month because I'm irregular. Yep, me too. So I remember taking the test and I put it down. And I was like, it's going to be negative anyway. And I completely forgot about it. I went back into the, into the bathroom and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And everything that came after that, it was like a learning curve. The only craving that I had with Mateo, and I didn't know that I was pregnant at that time, was cabbage. Cabbage. And- cabbage <laughs> so I was living in New York still we have went to Florida for Thanksgiving and we took the bus over there and I kept telling Joseph I want cabbage I want cabbage oh my god I can't I, when we get over there because where the bus stop uh left us it was like an Asian market so I called my mom when we were like an hour away and I'm like mom can you go get some cabbage and she's like cabbage <laughs> I was like yeah I want some cabbage and chicken and she's like okay and nobody thought anything of it that I'm just like cabbage and chicken so she went she bought the cabbage and then I came home and I'm like it freaking makes sense now that was my craving with Mateo Mateo didn't let me eat anything I have such a a sweet tooth I could not eat any candies I could not eat any chocolate I could not eat any anything fried all I ate with Mateo was cabbage chicken and that was during the first trimester second trimester I couldn't eat anything I was just drinking and I couldn't even drink water I was drinking sparkling water because he's fancy he was like I want the good stuff he was like Perrier please (laughs) none of that tap stuff (laughs) my second trimester that was the only thing that I could drink well the whole pregnancy that was all I could drink but the second I couldn't eat anything the second trimester my third trimester it was the Crunchwrap Supreme that was the only mm. the only fast food that I can eat with Mateo. Kaylee, on the other hand, candies galore, chocolate, <laughs> candy, cookies, cake, you name it. Oh, and steak. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God. At least you had normal cravings. When I was pregnant with Minion number one, I developed, which I didn't know was a thing yet pika. again. It's called pica, apparently. Pica, 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 yes. whatever. You know, whatever. I, I developed pica. And so my craving was the rust inside oh, the faucet. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Oh my God. Yes. The rust inside the faucet in the bathroom tub. (laughs) It was so hardcore that I would take a washcloth to stick it up there, right? So that it gets moist (laughs) and has that smell. And I would walk around with that washcloth all day. (laughs) Oh my God. They really need to teach these girls is about pregnancy and everything yep. that comes along with it. We're going to have a whole episode about oh, yeah. things about pregnancy no one told us about because yep. believe me, there is a shitstorm of things. It really is. We were not told. Nope. And you know what? It doesn't matter how many times you get pregnant. It's Everyone is different. Every single one is different. So I had things in my first pregnancy that I didn't have in my second and vice versa. And I'm just like what the fuck you think after being a parent for so long that I'd have this shit under the control and I knew what was going on but nope the only thing that these two children had in common was I had no idea I was pregnant with neither one of them I didn't know with my daughter because I thought again that I had a cyst I thought I had a cyst (laughs) and they're like uh you're pregnant I'm like oh all right oh that's what it is and then I didn't know with my son until my husband's like, you've been drinking a lot of water and sleeping a lot. He's like, you should take a pregnancy test. I'm like, really? I just thought, you know, because hello, I suffer from insomnia. So I'm right. always fucking tired. Yeah. Nope. Took a pregnancy test. And it's like, oh, I am pregnant. Yeah. Right. I didn't know I was pregnant with neither one of them. And then that's the funny thing. Because once you find out you're pregnant, that's when everything starts. Because after I found out I was pregnant with Mateo, <laughs> I was nauseous. Yep. I was tired. I literally slept all the time with Mateo all the time when I tell you like I took the pregnancy test today and the next day I had all symptoms all of them (laughs) every single last one of them and then oh and that's another thing doctors you need to be more considerate okay Mm -hmm. with Mateo I thought I was six weeks pregnant when I went I was apparently like five or something like that and he was still too small so they they didn't even see like a a gestational sac 
Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, this is probably going to be a miscarriage. Oh, man. Who does that? Dude. And they were like, well, we're going to send you for some blood test and we're going to schedule another uh, ultrasound. Oh, and the ultrasound. Don't think that it's on your tummy, ladies. Or girl. <laughs> All the ones. All they don't the- even take you out for dinner after. <laughs> If you know, you know. Ooh, that um, is the longest one that's ever Jesus been in me, let me tell you. Right. I think that's the longest thing that's ever been in me, period. And the way that it rummages in there, who I feel violated. Seriously, they don't even warn you. Just, just, <laughs> you could you could at least get me a drink first. Okay. <laughs> they don't tell you about that. I'm over nope. here thinking, I remember I was like, oh, they're gonna do ultrasound. Oh, let me pull up my shirt so they can look at my belly. And they're like, yeah, no, drop your pants. Excuse me. <laughs> what what was that yeah no we need you to drop your pants and your underwear um that's not where the ultrasound machine goes <laughs> and they're like yeah you're getting a transvaginal ultrasound yep. what the fuck is that and when i saw this thing in her hands it was literally a fucking lifesaver they, they stick a lifesaver in us this is what they do <laughs> And not only that, they're always like, you'll feel a little pressure. Yeah, a little pressure. I'm like, a little pressure, my fucking ass. And then they're in there like a fucking joy con. (laughs) I'm like, um, are you playing fucking Super Nintendo? What are are we doing here? Because, um, you're hitting my esophagus (laughs) from... what are you doing? And what then are they you like, doing? they put so much pressure, like where the bladder is. I'm like, really I got to pee. And they're like, oh, that's normal. I'm like, I'm a pee on your hand in about a right. second. <laughs> right. Because so they have to look at your ovaries and your yep. uterus and everything else. So they're like literally like a joystick, just <laughs> moving from side to side and up and down. Like literally, there's only but so much space in there, ma'am, ma'am. Okay. There's only but so much space in there. And then they always say, oh, the left ovary is always the most difficult to see. And so they like, why is that so true? My left ovary is like under my titty. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Exactly. So now, now the wand is in me at like a fucking 90 degree angle. I'm like, yo, you're stretching my hole to like oblivion. Yeah. Their wand and their hand is in your fucking, in your cootie cat. Because they're trying to get to that left ovary. It is not comfortable. <laughs> Men, you have nothing to complain about. No. Nope. Okay, you get a finger in your ass when you're 40. So the fuck what? So the fuck what? <laughs> Try getting that wand in your ass, man. They joy wand our fucking vaginas. <laughs> and then it comes out our throat. <laughs> and you want to complain about a you want to complain about a little finger? A little finger in your ass? I will take a finger in my ass any day <laughs> fucking super mario and in- my fucking intestines no they fucking packed man the shit out of us I they swear. really do and then they try to they try to make it like oh it's only until you're eight weeks bitch no every week that i come i have to do this until i'm eight weeks are you crazy yep. are you crazy buy me dinner bitch buy me dinner because i am violated at this point <laughs> so violated girls people whoever is getting pregnant out there pregnancy is such a violation from really the moment is. you find out you're pregnant to the oh, moment you're giving birth it really and, like, is they have a room full of interns like watching you spread eagle listen you will have so many people looking into your vagina <laughs> yep. you would think you're on Pornhub <laughs> I mean you might as well get on that OnlyFans <laughs> And do something strange for some change because the way people will be looking into your vagina nope. when you get pregnant, it's really, it is it really is. But I mean, at least fucking spit on it before you stick it in me. <laughs> Listen, my God, I'm having I'm having PTSD right now thinking about this shit. Oh, see, I always got condoms on my one, so at least oh, they, they were pop- lubed up. Yeah, mine were too, but still, you're not lubed up. They just <laughs> pop that right in there. It, it, it's horrible. It really it's it really, not fun it, it really isn't it really isn't it's there's nothing about it this fun no nope. right oh and then when they're checking to see if you're dilated oh, yeah let's, Jesus. let's yeah uh-huh we we'll start with one finger and the two finger. next thing you know you have a whole arm in your fucking vajayjay <laughs> they're porn stars who like specialize in that shit you know what that's what they are they're fucking porn star nurses and doctors <laughs> and today we're elbow deep in Loriana. Like, <laughs> what the, what 
the fuck? I mean, I, I, you know, I'm going to ask what men feel when they see fucking people's arms inside of their women. <laughs> I mean, because I would feel a certain type of way if I'm sitting there and there's just an arm inside of my woman. Like, Miss Ma'am. I can imagine the guys that look down at their crotch like, how am I ever going to compete with that? Ever, again? ever. Maybe if I put my leg in there. Stomp the yard, bitch. Stomp the yard. <laughs> and then the afterbirth. Oh, oh God. I, I they don't, they don't, they don't talk about the afterbirth either. Or, or the massages. Oh, God. Those fucking painful ass massages. Look, all I can say is that TV and movies lie to me up the wazoo. They sure Because did. in TVs and movies, whoever was pregnant, it would just slide out in five minutes and yeah, they were absolutely done. not absolutely not between the contract well the all I had contractions with Kaylee and they weren't that bad but I was they were so close together that they had to hurry up and get me into um the operating room because if not I was going to give birth to her right there and then because she was like all right I'm ready to come out now ready or not basically because I was I was supposed to have a natural um birth with her but my beautiful Kaylee cat she decided nope I'm gonna turn breach she went in in position and when we were in the hospital she said whoop nope <laughs> i'm turning around so, she needed yeah. to make her entrance oh did she make her entrance did she <laughs> but like i said that's for a future episode yep <laughs> but the more you know girls the more mm-hmm. you know yeah we got a little off topic there but you know that happens when it we're comes get, to- we're preparing <laughs> you for future topics <laughs> exactly yo yeah we just talked about like five different topics right there we sure did <laughs> like that's what you're gonna like that's what you're gonna expect in but the future episode this is what causes postpartum depression <laughs> because <laughs> right now my ptsd is at an all-time high thinking of that joy con inside of my JJ. And see, this is how we just bring it around back. You know, I know I learned something. Hopefully that there are women out there who have learned something or that realize, you know what, maybe I do need to ask for help or that it's okay to ask for help, that they're not alone. You're not Um, inconveniencing anyone by asking for help at all. Not at all. You are, you, if you need it, ask for it because it's, it's very hard. There is no shame whatsoever in asking for help. No, you do not have to do this on your own the way people make you think. That's right. There's nothing wrong with being strong. You can be strong, but even the strongest person needs help. And you know what? It takes a strong person to admit when they need help. 100%. Like I said, if you know someone that needs help, help them, reassure them, let them know that they're not alone. They are a good mother. You know, they're doing everything possible that's best for them and their child. Be there for them. Help Mm -hmm. them. The smallest things matter. I can't emphasize that enough. The smallest things that you can do for them matter. Buying a milk, taking the kid for about 15 minutes anything that you can do to help that mom just take a breath they will appreciate it exactly and nikki what's that website that you went to for the facts so we can give it to the listeners so that if they want more information or anything like that they'll know where to go the website is postpartumdepression.org. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Thank you, everyone, for joining in. Make sure to give us a five-star rating. Yes, all the thumbs <laughs> up, share, like. All right, love and peace. Bye. Bye. Bye.